Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of Ausbiz. Our goal at Ausbiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter, or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. From Barangaroo Studios, the Ausbiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon to you, or good evening. I always say that. Whenever you're listening to us, it's great that you're doing so. This is the COB. It is the 9th of February. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Scotty? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to whoever you're listening to. And Nadine, hope you had a great day. I did have a great day. Listen, um, not so much for the Crown Board, Crown Management, let's say James Packer. I mean, it looks as if at this stage of the game, 4.36 p.m. on this Tuesday afternoon, that Crown could very well be denied the right by the New South Wales government to run its Barangaroo Casino. What a debacle. Yeah. Uh, wow. It's, uh, it's some pretty big news and uh, some potentially very, very costly news to, uh, to the Crown Group because uh, that is a very, very expensive development uh, that uh, bread and butter that it was banking on may not be that it exists, uh, which is huge news. Uh, I don't have a brief opportunity to go and skim some of the findings before coming into the podcast, but uh, basically uh, suggesting the company is arrogant the way that uh, it had it itself uh, and some pretty damning findings. So it'll be very interesting to see how the New South Wales Parliament uh, proceeds now that they've got this report. Yeah, because that was the liquor and gaming uh, license body and they have said that the Crown is unworthy of holding that license in Sydney. Also raises questions about uh, whether it, could hold the licenses in Melbourne and Perth. I mean, there will be a lot of reverberations from whatever officially comes from New South Wales Parliament. Uh, there will be reputations on the line. There will be repercussions for some, no matter what the ultimate outcome is. And uh, shareholders, think of shareholders. So the company placed itself into a trading halt early in the session, even if it was before, I can't it was remember. You know, it was before, before the session. Uh, it's in place for two days. So they're obviously, you know, working furiously to figure out what what the heck is going to happen. There's uh, there's one shareholder I think who's got about thirty seven percent stake of the company. We'll be watching very very closely. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, not surprising some of the findings, uh, but uh, just the uh, the brutal reality of the report is uh, mm -hmm. is quite. Uh, eye-opening so uh, i think a lot of people will be, uh, will be reading into that and then uh, very interested to see what happens but the, the key thing here as well is that these recommendations don't just apply to crown but also to other casino operators so uh, the star group is right in that picture as well but you know knee-jerk reaction star entertainment group saw its share spike on the news that crown is currently not suitable to hold 
that gaming license for Barangaroo site. So I think it finished up by close to 4% on the day. There's nothing like a late flurry of buying because your competitors being almost yeah. mortally wounded to go and get the spirits going, is it? Yeah, right. Okay, but, you know, story has lots to run. We no doubt will be speaking about that tomorrow. And, um, you know, as far as the broader market goes... It, Bit, bit of a disappointing day. In fact, I'm pretty sure we closed at the lows of the day or just off the lows of the day. We saw the banks coming under pressure. We saw the materials space coming under pressure. Macquarie Group was the standout as far as performers go, but all major sectors ending the day into the red. Yeah, it's, uh, we've had a very strong start to February, so don't forget that. But uh, it was interesting, uh, notable, that uh, we saw pressure on those companies that uh, are deemed bond, bond proxies. So we've got everyone talking about uh, inflationary pressures uh, coming through, uh, nominal bond yields, real bond yields creeping higher. So it's starting to weigh in. The Aussie dollar as well had a big jump overnight and continued with that move today. It was up about 0.4% when I last looked against the greenback. And uh, weighing on those offshore earners. So uh, we do find these instances with our local market here that it's a bit of a defensive market in Asia. So it tends to go and do okay during the periods where it's a bit of trepidation and investors aren't feeling as confident as right now. But we're seeing regional markets today uh, once again strong. So maybe that thematic is playing a part as well. Okay, so uh, if we take a look at some of the best and worst performers today... Uh, I think that we deserve to give a bit of a shout out to Macquarie. So it gave an operational uh, update today. And uh, yeah, we had a chat with Martin Crabb, CIO of Sean Partners. He's pretty bullish on Macquarie going forward, looking for an improvement as the year goes on. Plenty of money, very cashed up, good return on equity, lots of cash. So if they can put that cash to work, uh, then there's a pretty sweet story to come. It was up by more than 6% on the Chiax 200. Uh, other than that, from reporting season, one of the winners was Suncorp. It was up by just over 3%. The laggards in terms of reporting season, though, definitely challenger, challenged, down by 14.5% and Boral off by 7.5%. Don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those narratives coming from, from those companies, Scotty? No, uh, Martin Kraft from, uh, from Sean Partners came up with an interesting tidbit to uh, potentially ahead of uh, the CBA update tomorrow, the half-yearly report, uh, talking about the NIM uh, margin increase in improvement that, uh, that Suncorp reported through. And uh, I wrote in my view yesterday that uh, I was pretty bullish on what the, uh, the broader thematics will be coming through with that CBA report. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens when we get that before the, the start of trade tomorrow. But pretty good sign when it comes to what's going on. We know that uh, no, the macro environment is strengthening. We know the interest rates going to be left on low for a long period of time. NIMS, if you can get that going, you can go and keep your costs under control. Wow, it's a pretty powerful force when you're at the start of a cyclical upswing. And you can make di uh, shareholders a bit happier with an increased dividend payout, or you can foreshadow an, a, a better one to come. So there's lots that will be live. We will be bringing you that news breaking on the live stream of OzBiz. If you haven't visited us before and you just choose to listen to the podcast, um, we're at ozbiz.com.au. You can also download our app if you haven't already. Um, back to reporting season today, though. And I should also say we'll be speaking with Matt Common live, Koshi will, at 3.45 p.m. But today we did speak with Challenger MD Richard House, and he detailed the acquisition plans for Challenger in 2021. Obviously, they're looking to acquire some growth. You can access that via the show notes. Also, Junbei Liu gave us her take on Challenger as well as James Hardy. She weighed in on Suncorp as well. So she, you've got um, three stocks running the ruler over reporting season from June Baylo accessible in your show notes as well. Um, look, 
Shall we talk what's going on in the U.S. right now with Elon Musk and Bitcoin and Tesla? How can we square that all up? How can regulators in the U.S. continue to square that all up? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great area. Uh, as we're talking to Carolyn Bowler from BTC Markets earlier today, and she goes, um, "Oh, it came as no surprise that Tesla went and announced because because um, Elon was talking all about it uh, on Twitter. No, Elon was spreaking Bitcoin on bit on Twitter. Bitter. That's, uh, maybe that, maybe that's what the name should be, given some of the things I read on it every day. But." Um, <laughs> The timing of that uh, announcement after all the things that have been going on his Twitter account beforehand, not only with Bitcoin, but also with uh, with Dogecoin, uh, posting a thread for uh, Wall Street bets and everything else. And uh, he's not the only one. There's a number of other very high profile, very wealthy people who are on Twitter. And uh, they're encouraging these movements and uh, their vast array of followers to go and join the movement. And uh, I think people just need to go and look at the ulterior motive as to what they're trying to go and achieve. Um, I can tell you they're not trying to go and liberate uh, people as I know they're trying to portray themselves as being. I get the suspicion that they're, all they're doing for is for their own self-interest. So be very careful about getting whipped up into the frenzy, be it about you know, uh, Bitcoin being added to the balance sheet of Tesla or the latest and brightest you know, crypto or you know, some company prospect. Uh, people are out there to go and grab your money. You're not a believer in YOLO then? Uh, look, you've got to go and ride the momentum train. And that's uh, undoubted. That's what we're looking at at the moment. The markets are absolutely euphoric though. So you do have to uh, you know, play that risk that uh, at some moment there can be a rug pull and get really, really abrupt downside. And I suspect at some point that will be, but who knows when it will go and come to an end. But uh, all I know is that uh, in an environment where you start seeing people talk about inflationary pressures and rising bond yields, uh, it's all fine and dandy until it's not. And when everyone tries to go for the exit, which inevitably will happen, people are going to get burned big time. You're not the only person that said to me, we don't know where this is going to end. I had a chance to speak with the so-called Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort himself. And he said, look, uh, no one knows where this is going to end. He's fascinated by what's going on. He is interested in the fact that there's some whiffs of populism there are also some whiffs of you know the little guy trying to make some money but he does say that there's a very dangerous game going on if you'd like to listen to that interview and his view on whether retail traders actually pose a threat to hedge funds in the u.s or if wall street has fundamentally changed if it's if it's facing an existential threat from Reddit to ralliers, uh, and uh, you can listen to that interview, what are you gonna say? I know. I just um, I noticed that he went and put his uh, little video out saying about uh, that they aren't something going anywhere, and um, I believe he was talking about hold the line and things like that when it came to GameStop. I just want to point out that GameStop share price is now down eighty percent from uh, the top tick that we saw a couple of weeks ago. Look, um, it is a live. Alive. Well, I don't even think it's a debate. You're either on one side or the other, aren't you? Um, but it is a force that we will continue to see, I think, flare up continually from here on in. Uh, you know, we had Robin Hood advertising at the Super Bowl. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Mm. You know how big the commercial uh, space is at uh, Super Bowl. But interestingly enough, Robin Hood also got about a, a lot of backlash. Uh, its tagline was, we are all investors. And a lot of it's... Uh, 
It's former users or users say, yeah, we were until you stopped us. But anyways, we'll leave that uh, rest of that conversation for another day. It will come up again. Yeah, look, uh, they're getting free, bro. So um, I reckon they'll be back before you know it. And they're looking to go and do a gamma squeeze and then the next greatest and, uh, and latest thing. So, But uh, it's really interesting to go and see this whole dynamic play out. Yeah. Proceed with caution. If you're going to play the game, make sure that you know that uh, you can work in both ways. So we mentioned uh, that Junbei Lu weighed in on James Hardy today. That's a company that has been able to make some hay while the sun is shining as far as the housing market goes in the United States. It paid out a special divvy today and it improved its guidance going forward. So is that enough to lure in our two expert guests that joined Koshi on the call today? James Hardy was the stock of the day. JHX. Let's listen in to what Howard Coleman from Team Invest and Gary Glover from Novus Capital had to say. And of course, it's a very, very cyclical business. And the question our Team Invest members would always ask when looking at any company is, can I be virtually certain earnings per share will be materially higher in, say, five years' time? And the answer with James Hardy is, no, you couldn't be virtually certain because it is a cyclical business. And the time to buy cyclical businesses is when everybody says doom and gloom. So, you know, in March and April, when everybody said, oh, the housing market's going to be absolutely smashed, that was the time to buy a business like James Hardy. So I think James Hardy management's done a great job over the last couple of years, but it's a no from me in that Team Invest members would not be enthused about buying a cyclical business at the top of the cycle. Today was a great update, special dividend, which is quite nice. I think it equates to 1.7% sort of yield there, which uh, shareholders will love because yep. it's not yields pretty thin at the moment across the board here. Pretty, pretty tidy growth forecast in there. Yep. But how's right there will sort of flatten out uh, after I think 22 growth sort of supposed to flatten out because obviously the cost savings are going to be uh, a little skinnier here. So yep. yeah, I, I agree with Howdy. You really got to buy these businesses when they're on low multiples. Right. And when they get on pretty high multiples, that's the sort of time to be probably yep. trying to exit. Okay, so that was the thoughts from our expert guests on James Hardy, JHX, not going into the call portfolio, Sketty. Yeah, I'm not buying at the top or potentially. It is, of course, closed uh, record highs today, but uh, no special dividend, uh, not going to portfolio for JHX. So we had the NAB business survey uh, today. I feel like, um, I feel like, wasn't a lot of conversation about it in all this reporting season hype. So what were the big takeaways? I mean, I know that we saw confidence waning a bit. Yeah, um, confidence was up, uh, conditions were down. Sorry, it was conditions. Basically, it was basically a reverse of what we saw the previous month. Um, I don't want to go and dismiss the results, but it just seemed a bit noisy, the uh, the outcomes today. So there wasn't too much rhyme or reason. It was impacted by, of course, the WA lockdown. Uh, and, of course, continued uh, border shutterings and restrictions that are put in place. But uh, broadly speaking, things look pretty positive. Uh, trading conditions are no, okay. Uh, employment still mildly positive. So everything you expect, also importantly, when it comes to the outlook for both hiring people and investment uh, capacity utilization continue to creep higher. I think it was 80%. Uh, that was up a couple of uh, percentage points uh, from what it was a couple of months ago. So continue to go and build. Capacity constraints are starting to build. Hopefully that means more investment in both people and plant. Let's hope so. Let's hope uh, we start getting some of that traction, some wages growth. We want to see a bit of inflation coming through. We, that would mean positive things about the whole state of the Australian economy and businesses' willingness to invest. 
We will learn about confidence on the consumer front tomorrow from Westpac. It's got its February read coming out. We'll also get another insight into the housing market. I think it'll be interesting new home sales from the HIA in January and business building approvals, excuse me, for December. But um, I think a lot of focus tomorrow in the session will be on this Chinese producer price index that comes through. We also get China money supply. China Foreign Direct Investment, and the Consumer Price Index. So producer prices, consumer prices, 1230. That will be our focal point. Yeah, the uh, the monetary aggregates that come out can come out any time this week. So I uh, don't uh, hold your breath waiting for that one. Uh, but always crucial when it comes to particularly bond issuance and the rollout of uh, infrastructure investment throughout that country. But you're right, the uh, producer price index in China is one to go and keep a very close eye on because I've said this before, and sorry if I'm going over the top again, you know, reinforcing the point, but uh, these are factory gate prices. So what happens is that uh, they're really influenced when it comes to export prices, uh, when it comes to particularly uh, going into major developed markets such as Europe and the United States, which then eventually flows through to consumer prices. So uh, very, very key when it comes to being a barometer of either exporting or importing uh, deflation or inflationary pressures around the world. So keep an eye on that one, particularly the monthly reading, which will give you a much better pulse as to uh, what's happening in the nearer term. Okay, so that is a look at tomorrow in the Asian session. We do get the Jolts job read coming through. That's your favorite. Uh, it's Yellen's. Or it used to be Yellen's favorite when she was head of the U.S. Fed. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if it's one of her favorites as the head of the U.S. Treasury. She liked it because it has a quit rate. Um, and that uh, gives you some sort of clue as to confidence if people are willing to quit their jobs. I feel like I feel like a broken record now. You've got producer prices covered. I've got the Jolt's job read. I think yours is better Hope, than mine. Hopefully, hopefully not quitting their job to go and sit on uh, no, the enhanced unemployment benefits that are looking to come through, but uh, who knows? No, I saw somebody. So we've been joking that stimulus is being called stimmy. And I saw today a whole bunch of people are not calling it stimulus payment anymore. They're calling it relief payment. Uh, so there you go. Listen, tomorrow our reporting season coverage continues. We have Commonwealth Bank CEO Matt Common. He'll be with us live at 3.45 p.m. Centuria Group is out with its half-year result. The joint CEO is booked in tomorrow as well. We do have Megaports CEO joining us, and we will also... Uh, be speaking with the head of, uh, well, actually, it's a, it's the CFO of SCA Property. They reported today, so just getting a bit of a follow-up coming through from there. At 10.30 as well, we'll be joined by Rachel Farrell. She is CEO and country head of J.P. Morgan Australia. Really looking forward to that one. Um, it's just completed its institutional investor survey. Rachel will be sh- sharing those findings with us, Scuddy. What, what will you want to know? Uh, whew, there's so many things I want to know. Because um, we already we know that uh, people are talking about inflationary forces. Like, no, I'm really intrigued about the psychological aspect, you know, the behavioural aspect uh, as to what uh, what people are seeing. And so maybe you can go back over time and see some of the traits that have uh, occurred before market turns and things like that. So very interested to go and see, you know, that from that perspective, what potentially this survey is telling us. Okay, looking forward to that one. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the whole day. Looking forward to the whole day on AusBiz. How many people get to say that about 
Well, their job, if we break it down to the most basic level. It's the hump day. And uh, it's my favorite day of the week, or at least one of them. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Uh, so, I'm looking forward to it. We're uh, starting to go and purr like a well-oiled machine here at uh, Ausbiz. So, we're well and truly into this reporting season now. So, onwards and upwards as uh, we start to accelerate. Okay. In our newsletter, we've got a list of who's reporting, list of CEOs that we'll be speaking with. If you don't sign up for the COB newsletter version, oh boy, you're missing out on more of Scotty's views. Don't, don't do that. Um, you can sign up for it via our website or our app. That's it for us today. Hope you have a good evening. Scotty, I'll see you in the morning. Sounds good. See you then.